This is Brian Copeland's talking. Welcome to another edition of Copeland's Corner. A little bit later on, I'll be joined by a distinguished panel of comics, and we'll talk about some of the news of the week. Um, to start with is this. Um, there's been a lot of news about, um, well, how should I put this best? We'll call it ethical problems. Ethical problems with the United States Supreme Court. Justices who are behaving in... Uh, are we're discovering are, are behaving in a manner that makes us question their impartiality, a way that's improper, a way that common sense should tell you is improper. Uh, the poster boy has been Clarence Thomas, who has been discovered in the last couple of weeks, uh, has accepted gifts and trips for like the last 20 years from a billionaire Republican donor. Uh, in fact, this this donor, I guess, bought uh, Thomas's mother's house and fixed it all up, and she lives in it for free. Um, you know, that's just clearly, clearly um, a violation of ethics and and clearly improper for somebody who sits on the nation's highest court. And it gets worse. You know, then it comes out that in his disclosures, and by the way, these trips from this billionaire he has not disclosed. Uh, income that they get, they're supposed to disclose. Any kind of income or gifts over a certain amount, I think it's a couple hundred bucks, uh, they're supposed to disclose uh, annually in terms of their financial disclosures. So there's transparency. And so the American people know what's going on. Um, so it comes out after this donor thing that he's been claiming income when, in his disclosures. He's been claiming annual income from a real estate company that doesn't exist anymore. This real estate company has not existed since 2006, but Clarence Thomas continues to, um, claim that he's getting income from from this company. So then the question becomes, all right, if this company doesn't exist and Clarence Thomas is reporting income, that means that he's getting that income from someplace. So where is he getting that income from? And that makes you question exactly exactly how impartial is he when he has cases that are being argued before him when he's got income that we don't know where the income's coming from and what if the income is coming from somebody who's tied to a case that is being argued in front of him you know th again these are lifetime appointments and the only way that you, you can remove a supreme court justice is through impeachment and in order to impeach a a supreme court justice you need uh i believe it's it's two-thirds it's two thirds of the United States Senate has the vote to convict. And as partisan as things are, and the fact that uh, right now the Supreme Court, the way it's, it's being viewed is just as another wing of the Republican Party. There's no way that that's going to happen. So there is really at this point nothing that can be done. They're not policing themselves. Uh, they have no uh, ethical code of conduct that they're following uh, with repercussions in the Supreme Court. So pretty much they can do whatever they want. And that's scary. And add to that the fact that Clarence Thomas's wife, Jenny Thomas, uh, there's all kinds of evidence that she was involved in and advised uh, the Trump, the, the Trump acolytes in ways to overturn the 2020 election. And you've got uh, cases involving the 2020 election coming before the Supreme Court. And you got Clarence Thomas not recusing himself. You know, claiming he and his wife don't talk about their outside business. Stop it. Stop it. 
you know, you live with, eat with, and sleep with your wife, and and, and you guys aren't talking about things. We, we don't discuss work. Stop. Now it comes out that Justice Gorsuch sold land to somebody who has argued cases since the land sale before the Supreme Court 20 times. 20 times. So, you know, again, that makes you question his impartiality. Here's somebody he's having private business deals with who then comes and argues cases in front of him. I mean, how, how do you do that and not recuse yourself? Uh, right now, the, the U.S. Supreme Court has the lowest approval rating ever in, in the history of polling. People have that little faith in the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court is, in my lifetime, has always been the body that we look to for justice, that we look to to keep things on the straight and narrow when uh, the United States Congress tends to go too far or when a lower court uh, issues a ruling on something that's controversial that goes too far. We look for moderation uh, to the U.S. Supreme Court. And right now we're not getting that. As I said, they're just simply acting as another wing of the Republican Party. And now you find out they're doing this. And these are just the two instances and two justices that we know about. So you got the U.S. Senate conducting hearings on Supreme Court ethics, and they issued an invitation to Chief Justice Roberts to testify before the, the ethics hearing. Didn't subpoena him. They just issued him a polite invitation to come to speak. And yesterday, his uh, Justice Roberts' office uh, sent a letter to uh, the Senate saying that uh, he declines the invitation. So he won't even come and sit and speak with him about it. So today, today being Wednesday, which is when we record this podcast, uh, there's a, bar, a bipartisan bill that uh, is, is going to be introduced, uh, a bill sponsored by Lisa Murkowski, uh, who's a Republican from a Republican senator from Alaska and Angus King. And I, I want to say Angus King is from Maine, and I could forgive me if I'm mistaken in that. And he's an independent, but he caucuses with the Democrats. And they've got a bill that uh, requires the Supreme Court to create a code of conduct within a year. They're not telling them what to put in it, but they're requiring them within a year to conduct a code of conduct. And uh, I believe it was Senator Murkowski who said that it's pathetic that it hasn't happened yet. It's pathetic that the U.S. Senate has to be the one to tell them that they've got to have a code of conduct. You know, uh, all the federal judges and the lower courts have, have codes of conduct. And if they violate the codes of conduct, they can be removed from the bench. And again, we're talking about lifetime appointments here. Once you're on that court, you're on that court for life. And if you're on that court for life and you feel like you can do whatever you want and accept money and gifts and do business with whoever you want, whether they're arguing cases in front of you or not, uh, what, what does that say about the fairness of our justice system? We don't, we don't have anybody to look to, any, any uh, governmental body to look to for moderation and to protect our rights when you've got a court with justices doing this. So here's hoping that the U.S. Senate does do something. And the other thing I would say is if Roberts won't, won't, uh, won't testify before this hearing, why the devil don't they subpoena Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch and have them explained their, uh, their business dealings and their gifts? I mean, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. You know, the hearings on ethics and the reason that the hearings exist is because you got two justices that we, who we know of who are doing things that are clearly unethical. 
and they're doing so and thumbing their noses at America and laughing because there's nothing that can be done. Issue a subpoena and make them explain under oath exactly what's going on. What gifts are they accepting? Who are they doing business with? Why? Why are, uh, is this Clarence Thomas not recusing himself from cases in which he has some kind of an interest or his wife has a direct interest? I mean, that's what I'd like to see, quite frankly. And but I don't think that that the the Democrats and the the Senate have the stones to do that. I just don't think that they have the testicular fortitude to issue a subpoena to a U.S. Supreme Court justice. But stay tuned. We'll see. For nearly 75 years, rock and roll has defined generations. Rock and all of its subgenres reflect society, sets the tone of our lives, and helps us discover who we are. Music takes us on a journey, and so do the stories of the people who create and inspire it. Hi, I'm Chris Kosach, host of the music podcast Text, Prose, and Rock and Roll, the only podcast dedicated to the written account of music. From artist memoirs to band bios, we'll bring you firsthand accounts of those who lived the life style and the experiences that shape their work it's a book club that rocks literally each episode or track as we call them will bring you something different you might catch a reading or the occasional performance and what the hell if there's a great music documentary we'll cover that too because after all what's rock and roll if you don't break the rules once in a while so join me chris kosach for a conversation you just won't get anywhere else on text prose and rock and roll This is the part of the podcast we call Headliners on the Headlines. Joining us this week in our distinguished panel of comics, Maya DiGiorgio returns and, uh, and Lauren Mayer, who's one of our regulars. So welcome, ladies. Good to have you. Nice to be here. Thank you. And I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I have uh, two female comics this week, because what I, what I want to start with is something that's kind of heavy, and it's an issue uh, that should be of concern to everyone, but it is of particular concern to women because it, uh, it it's about it's an issue that deals with violence against women. Um, the E. Jean Carroll uh, lawsuit against Donald Trump started today, Wednesday, and uh, testimony began today. She's suing Donald Trump because she says that back in the seventies he raped her, and. She wrote about it in a book and Trump called her a liar. So she's suing for defamation. Uh, actually, there are two suits. One is for defamation. And then uh, she was able to sue again after New York passed a law that allows uh, victims of sexual abuse to sue the person who abused them, uh, even if it's past what had traditionally been the statute of limitations. So um, I'm going to go on with it for just a minute before I bring you in. Um, here's I wanted to read to you what she testify to today and tell me what you think. Okay. So she, she started out by saying, um, I'm here because Donald Trump raped me. And when I wrote about it, he said it didn't happen. He lied and shattered my reputation. I'm here to try to get my life back. Okay. So after she took the stand, Carol described running into Trump as she was leaving the Bergdorf Goodman luxury department store. He said, I need to buy a gift. Come help me. She said, I was delighted. Carol said she suggested a handbag and then a hat for the woman Trump said he was buying for, but he wasn't interested. He picked up a fur hat and was petting it like a cat or a dog. Then he said, I know lingerie. She, she said 
He led the way to the escalator. Carol describes Trump as very talkative and herself is absolutely enchanted. I was delighted to go to lingerie with him. He was very funny, she said. Carol said Trump snatched up a gray blue bodysuit in the lingerie department and demanded she try it on. I had no intention of putting it on. I said, you put it on. It's your color, she told the court. Carol said Trump suggested they both try it on in motion toward the dressing room. She said she didn't take it seriously. Donald Trump was being very light. It was very joshing, very funny, she said. I was flirting the whole time, probably. But she said the move, the mood changed rapidly after they stepped into the dressing room. Quote, he immediately shut the door and shoved me up against the wall. He shoved me so hard my head banged. I was extremely confused. I pushed back and he thrust me back against the wall, banging my head again. Uh, she told the jury that the situation turned absolutely dark. He leaned down and pulled down my tights. I was pushing him back. It was quite clear I didn't want anything else to happen. Uh, she described his attempts to kiss her as a shocking thing. My whole reason for being alive at that moment was to get out of that room. But she said she couldn't escape Trump's grip. Speaking quietly and slowly, she said that he raped her. Carol said she escaped after she was able to lift her knee and push him off. She fled the store. Carol said she will always regret going into the dressing room with Trump, describing it as very stupid. Quote, it left me unable to ever have a romantic life again. Unquote. Now, uh, there's a couple of things what the defense is throwing out is, is and this is is I, I want you to tell me if this is a problem. She can't recall exactly when it happened. She doesn't know if it was in 94, 95 or 96. She's not sure of the month, uh, but she's got a couple of girlfriends. She told at the time who are going to testify that they told her at the time uh, that that happened. And the defense is, is making a big deal out of the fact that she doesn't know when it happened and says that this is just all politically motivated because they hate him. So two questions. The first is, do you think, based upon what it is that I read, and this is uh, from The Guardian, uh, based on her testimony today, do you think that she sounds credible at number one? And number two, how big a deal do you think it is that she doesn't remember when it happened? Um. I think she sounds extremely credible and from everything that I've read and from my own very minor experiences with any kind of trauma like this, it does mess with your memory. <clears throat> and especially I'd read another interview where she said, because another thing they're going after her for is not reporting it to the police at the time. Mm -hmm. And she was terrified because of how powerful he was. And uh, she, one of the friends that she confided about this incident told her, you better not go to the police because he's very powerful and he'll destroy you. And that whole thing is so traumatic. Of course, she'd be fuzzy about dates. And that's very common for victims of any kind of trauma, particularly sexual assault. Well, women who are abused by by men who are not powerful most times don't go to the police. I mean, it doesn't matter. The, the police don't really take a report. They do. They take a, a report and they usually take it as like an aggravated assault. They don't do anything, especially at that time. I mean, I know, you know, just being a comic myself and, and having police reports of guys attack me and the police do nothing. So, you know, um, it's I, I I'm not surprised because especially at the time period, she, this was going on. You know what you what years was it in the well it was it, it was either ninety four ninety five or ninety six and and she yeah and they she didn't take it three uh, she's changed it the, the year three times yeah but I don't think that that's 
I, to be honest with you, um, yeah, that's one of the things that you, if you go through domestic violence recovery therapy, the first thing they tell you is, you know, your memory, you have to actually recondition your memory to get your memory back because it does so much damage because what happens is you are just, when you go to survival mode, you stop exercising the idea of keeping your memory. You're trying to lose your memory because you just are trying to get back on balance. So, you know, it took me like from my bad experiences that weren't as bad as this, but from my bad experiences, um, I've actually went through the domestic violence recovery program and they ended up having to, because I couldn't remember my jokes. Like, wow. if, if, I, if I was to tell you things that I should have filed police reports on, but didn't, um, I have two cases that I, I should file. Um, and I'm guessing that it was... Um, I'm guessing it's like, feels like it was like eight, nine years ago and I'm off. I know I'm off. I probably will have to go into like hard drives and records to be able to just figure out what I, I can kind of gauge what I was doing around that time period. That's but I what can't tell you. you now, know. Without, without getting too much into your personal business and you don't have to answer this if you don't want mm -hmm. to, are, are you talk, are you talking about is these issues being with um, employees of the club or are people from the audience? um employee uh, other fellow comedians other comedians other comics yeah yeah wow um um i've had some bad situations but never to that extreme with the club but it's i've it's mostly been the it's like the, the other comedians is definitely or somebody that i met from the audience that i had dated was another case that i i should be filing so yeah i mean there, this is the you, you know, I, wonder, I, I, I wonder if if the, the possibility of, of that happening or if there are numerous instances of, of what happened to you happening to female comics is one of the reasons that that comedy clubs, most comedy clubs don't have condos anymore because they used to, you know, when I was I was a road comic in the 80s and in the 90s. And yeah. every, every club, instead of putting you up in a hotel, they had an apartment or a condo that they rented. And every week, that's where the comics would stay. You know, the headliner got the master bedroom, you know, the other two. And I wonder, you know, you got men and women staying together. I wonder if, I wonder if, if things like this happen. And that's one of the reasons why. I, I, you know, to be honest, it's so bad on the road, even as a female comic without the condos. You know, I've had guys follow me back to my room. I've had bookers, um, um, promoters follow me back and knock on my door at three in the morning where I'm in the hotel room with a, with a chair up against the door. Um, so now I'm at the point where if I'm doing comedy on the road, I, I try to find a room right next to the desk. Um, and, you know, I, and I just, I just, you just end up having a whole different protocol. But I, I have so many female friends, n numerous ones that have either been raped or beaten and abused on the road. I mean, it's, it's, it's what's sad is, is that I think people act like and I think this is what's going on with even the abortion line is that this is so rare. You know, somebody's saying, oh, these a guy even said, oh, these Republicans, if their daughters, you know, got knocked up, they would take them across the borders and, and get get them. You know, so well, what if they were the ones who raped them? They, like they're not even thinking in the reality of how often this how common this is. Well, I want to tell you, um, I in going back to E. Jean Carroll, um, before I say what I'm about to what I'm about to ask, because I don't want to be taken the wrong way. Um, based upon what I read here, I find her to be very credible. And <laughs> I believe that she's telling the truth. 
And actually, you know, knowing what we know about the former president, I mean, he's already on tape bragging about sexually assaulting women. You mm-hmm. know, and his, his biggest defense here is uh, aside from from the, the fact that uh, she doesn't have the ear nailed down, is that he said, quote, unquote, she's not my type, which mm-hmm. is if that's so ever, ridiculous. If, given if that, that's ever mattered to a rapist. She's not my type. <laughs> Exactly. And plus, he kind of shot that argument um, down by his own deposition where he was shown a picture of um, Eugene Carroll and thought it was Marla Maples because they both sort of look like and obviously Marla Maples was this type enough to marry. So, so I do I do find her credible um, and I I do think she's telling the truth. But now here's my but my question to you. Um, This happened almost 30 years ago. There is no police report. There is no rape kit. There is no DNA. There are no witnesses. Um, you've got two women who she, two of her girlfriends who she told at the time that it happened uh, who are going to testify. But my question is, if you're the, the defendant, and again, so, so we're clear, I'm not defending Donald Trump here at all. And I believe that, that she is telling the truth. There's too much detail here for her not to be telling the truth. Um, how do you defend yourself under these circumstances against an allegation about something that happened 30 years ago? I mean, that's the whole point of the statute of limitations is it's supposed to be about basic fairness, because after a certain period of time, you know, witnesses die or witnesses, memories change or 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 memories fade. And and especially if there's not physical evidence, it, it makes it harder and harder to to prove your innocence if, in fact, you didn't do this. So go ahead. I was going to say he's not doing it. I mean, if he and, and, you know, we've talked about this before, there have been false accusations. He's presumed innocent until proven guilty. Um, She doesn't have, you know, evidence at the say at the time or any eyewitness testimony, which is often the case in sexual assault. Most of the time. Yeah. But in his case, he's doing everything absolutely wrong. I read this morning that the judge had to reprimand him because he's posting so much stuff on Truth Social that it may come under the category of felony witness intimidation. He's, you know, he's not handling this in a way, everything he's doing is making him look more guilty. And because this is a civil trial, it's, um, it's just has to basically in the jury's mind, 51% sure that he did it. It's the preponderance of the evidence as opposed to in a criminal trial that's beyond a reasonable doubt. And yeah, he's behaving like he's guilty because you know, that's his M.O. When he has done something wrong, he projects and he lashes out as opposed to, you know, if I'm sorry, if somebody, uh, you know, accused Tom Hanks or another celebrity who's never had accusations and never seems to be pretty squeaky clean, he'd probably be very dignified and say, I take the issue of sexual assault seriously. This did not happen. Um, and, mm-hmm. I have, you know, he th- there is a dignified way to respond to a false accusation and he is not doing it. And the judge is pissed, which is also not helping his case. OK, but again, how do you defend yourself again if you didn't do it? How can you defend yourself against an allegation like this? When, as I said, there there is no real evidence other than someone someone making the accusation. <laughs> Well, you know, you I, I think that there's a lot to look at with the, the cases where the husband's husband rapes their wife. I think that there is something in place. I can't remember what it would be, what it was. They did put something in place for that because it's a he said, she said. And, and and of course, everything goes to believing the man. It never goes to believing the woman, you know. Um, 
Yeah, I think that. So I, I do believe that there's something um, legal that's in place for he said, she said cases like that. Well, and that's um, why they're letting her introduce other witnesses who have experienced not just assault from him, but a similar pattern, because that's, you know, like in the Cosby trial, you get to show that this is a way this person has behaved in the past. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, that's one, you know, if again, Brian, you're right, there's nothing that he can say or do to prove absolutely it didn't happen. But given how much evidence there is that he has behaved this way in the past, um, I'll just play the Access Hollywood tape. Exactly. I mean, just I'm, that 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 would be exhibit A for me. If it, I they were, are, are going to let them play it. And there's also they are. Who, they are not. They are. They are going to let the play. They're going to okay. play it. And I think if there's any chance of the judge ruling against that, Trump didn't help it by doing all this, you know, crap posting on his his truth thing. Didn't um, he take the fifth? Isn't this the, the case where he was deposed and took the fifth like 400 times? Wasn't yeah. it this case? It was this case. Well, I don't know if it's this particular case. I, know I, I he believe did it. Take- I believe it was this case because they were saying that it, whatever the case was, it was civil. So I think it was this case. And in a criminal trial, the the jurors are are uh, admonished that uh, taking the fifth does not is not in any way to affect their verdict and they're not to look at that as any kind of admission of guilt whatsoever. However, in a civil case, it's just the opposite. In a civil Mm. case, you can look at taking the fifth as as being an admission of guilt or there being something shady about it. Otherwise, why wouldn't you answer the question? Right. Well, yeah. and and another way he could defend himself, he is refusing to appear because he I, he's giving all sorts of excuses. He's too busy running around doing pseudo campaign events. But if you were truly innocent of something like this and it was a jury trial where it's only a preponderance of the evidence, you show up, you act dignified, you you come across as credible, you mm-hmm. you come across as kind and considerate and somebody who wouldn't do something like that. You establish that you're a person of good character. Um, which he's not doing so. And the jury wants to hear you say that you're absolutely right. If you're if you're innocent of something like this, if it were me and I were accused and I were innocent, you better believe that I'd be there every day and you better believe that I'd go on the stand so the jury could hear me say, look, I didn't do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I did not do this. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't they wouldn't be using my deposition as my testimony. And you wouldn't be attacking your accuser because, you know, that makes you look bad. You would be saying she's not correct, but you wouldn't be claiming she wasn't your type. <laughs> I mean, that, just, that just boggles the mind, doesn't I it? I know. How do you say but that it, with a straight face? But it just comes from this whole mentality of like, you know, women don't have uh, just complete disregard for women. And it's 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 right. beyond and it's it's at the level of being, you know, something that he can't avoid. It's every single thing that he's about. All, you know, everything in his agenda, every his mistreatment of every woman that's worked for him or people who've commented on him or women in the news. This is just the continued pattern of women don't matter. And yeah, you know, I mean, he's on narrative. record saying it, you know, that you you can grab him where. No, and he's no, also you, the you one who, who bought a teen beauty pageant where he bragged about peeking at teenage girls. He he bragged about wanting to strip his own daughter if she yeah. weren't his daughter. I mean. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used well, to joke we'll that thinking you know, about sex with Donald Trump was a guaranteed weight loss method. Oh my gosh, that is really <laughs> funny. Lose your <laughs> appetite. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you know what's weird is is I I have been um been watching Cheers. 
um, I was, uh, you know, one night going through Hulu and Hulu had cheers on. So I, I watched it and got hooks when it was originally on. I never, you know, I, I over the course of the eight or nine years it was on, I think I probably saw it maybe a dozen times. So I watched them all. And it's fascinating how many times um, Kirstie Alley's character mentioned that she's looking for a husband like Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, he was a he's was an ongoing line and he was even in an episode of Sex in the City. Really? Yes, there's an episode of Sex in the I'm City. I'm a guy, so I've never seen Sex in the oh. City. <laughs> so there's an episode. Although I'll, say, I'll tell you, I've seen, you know, and just like that, I've seen all of them. No, no, yeah, you so. should. Well, actually, the the first few seasons are good, other than, of course, the lack of diversity. But um, for what it was. Um, but there's one episode where Samantha, the Kim Cattrall, you know, she's the one who has sex like a man. And she's <laughs> gotten stood up. So she lets herself get picked up at the bar by an older man who's very wealthy, who explains that she owes him letting him buy her a drink because she distracted him by her beauty so much that he lost his negotiating advantage and he ended up selling something to donald trump and you see trump there in the booth oh that's so funny that is so funny <laughs> and she ends up wow. sleeping with this older wealthy man so yeah so she and trump waves at her. wow you know it's, it's amazing when you think of how long this man has been in our consciousness and and we really didn't know it now we know it well but, but he was a joke then i rem i lived in new york in the early yeah. 80s and he was this, we all knew he was not, you know, he had inherited money. He, he played a bazillion. This is way before The Apprentice. And so he was just this sort of slimy real estate guy. And this was in the era of um, Leona Helmsley too. So I remember yeah. thinking that Helmsley and Trump were both the same. And they, they hated each other's they, guts, by the of way. Of course they did. And they, they both, despised each other. Because they both made each other look bad because, that you know, they they were just not. And neither of I mean, yes, they both worked, but they all got hand, you know, they handed their money. They, you know, were born on third base and thought they, you know, hit a homer. And he was a well, joke. She wasn't. Yeah, she wasn't. She she actually uh, came from nothing. And she did, but she married into the hotel she, industry. She did, but she was a millionaire when she she wasn't as rich as as uh, what was her husband's first? Was it Harry Helmsley? Yeah. But she wasn't as rich as, as as he was by any stretch of the imagination. But she was a self-made millionaire. Well, not she, totally not, because she didn't pay her taxes. That's just for little people. <laughs> She's the one who said paying taxes is for little people. And said it into a microphone. We <laughs> yes. don't pay taxes. Only the little people pay tax. I mean, think about that. It's, it's just the it's the arrogance or the. The, the 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 feeling that that because I'm someone who's privileged, I'm not going to be held accountable. I mean, I'm scared to death of the IRS. Oh, and I Trump mean, who said the, the same thing. Remember, remember, Trump got called out for not paying taxes. And that makes me of, smart. That makes me smart. Yeah, exactly. It, which, no, it makes you unethical and corrupt. And you're profiting from the Republicans defunding the IRS so they can't go after rich people because they have expensive mm. lawyers. You say your odds are if you make between one and two hundred thousand dollars, uh, a year, those are the people who are audited the most. Right. Between one and two hundred thousand dollars. Not not the people who are, are making fifty million dollar bonuses off their hedge fund or for being CEO. They're not the ones getting audited. No, you know, because they're those, the ones who can afford the really expensive tax attorneys and the IRS doesn't have that unlimited, you know, budget. They're outgunned. Yeah, I just yeah, heard. Yeah. Speaking of taxes, I just heard that Fox News gets to write off the seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars on their taxes. Well, of course yeah, they a, do. It's a business expense. Of course, <laughs> uh, of course they do. 
I mean, that's not, it's the company that's paying it and, and it's a company bill. So yeah, I'm sure they do. Well, I just read something before, uh, before we came on here, that's got me really kind of pissed. And that is, um, you know, it, in order for your network to be carried by a cable service, you know, be it Comcast or AT&T or, or whatever, um, I, I believe the way it works is that they pay you for the right to carry to carry them if if i've got this right uh and they said that the way that the deals are is are structured for fox is if you have cable whether you watch it or not the average subscriber for cable is paying two dollars a month just for fox news wow just for fox news so you pay you're paying so if any of us who have cable we are supporting we're supporting anti-american pro-russian propaganda and we're doing it with our, our so that's why there are movements to 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 boycott uh, uh, Comcast and boycott AT and T and boycott some of these other cable companies that are carrying Fox News. You know, mm. if, if you want Fox News, then make it a premium service. Yeah, you know, are there that, any cable networks that don't carry it? Because you know, you're, so. you're limited. I don't to, think so either. Yeah, I don't think you know, so. I went over, I was, when I was doing comedy overseas, they go to the military well, military bases. They only have Fox. They don't. Even, they didn't even have MSNBC. So you're on a military base. I'm ripping shreds. The uh, the Democratic president, um, and you can't even get any of the news. Wow. I will tell you this though, where I I performed overseas uh, for for the troops um, in Korea, in in mm -hmm. South Korea. I did a week of, of of tours of military bases, and they're the best audiences I've ever had. Was that your experience? They're just so oh, yeah, happy to see you. Just wonderful. Just so kind and wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And so grateful. They're so grateful mm -hmm. and so happy. To, I got to sleep in MacArthur's bed. Wow. <laughs> it, was cool. it was cool. All right. So also speaking of Fox News. Okay. So Tucker Carlson <laughs> is out today. He's out. He, yeah. Tucker Carlson is out. And there, there um, is more that's kind of uh, it's coming out in dribs and drabs about why he was let go. Everybody's wondering since he was like their their big star. How was he so abruptly kicked out? How you know, what was the, the reason for his fall from grace? And what I'm reading in Vanity Fair today is that um, there's a lawsuit. One of his female producers is suing. Uh, former female producers is uh, is suing for wrongful termination and other things dealing with him. And among mm -hmm. the things that she's got, by the way, in terms of her evidence, is she's got a uh, a tape recording of of Ted Cruz talking to Maria Bartolomo. Is that her name? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, Russian spy, the oh, one who's also the rumor is that she's having an affair with Kevin McCarthy. Did you hear that? Oh yeah, I did hear that rumor. <laughs> I've heard that rumor, which is wow. So if you want more diet advice, think about that one. <laughs> well, 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 this 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 uh, this plaintiff has got a uh, has got a tape of the two of them talking of Ted Cruz and and Maria talking a couple of days before 9/11 and him to talking about a plan that he's got uh, no not 9/11 before January 6th. January 6th, forgive me. Um, well, they were both days our democracy was under yeah. attack. So yeah. there you go. Uh, January, uh, she's got a tape of Ted Cruz talk uh, prior to January 6th, talking to uh, uh, Maria about a, a plan he's got to form a pseudo commission to help overthrow the 2020 election. And uh, and Jack Smith, the special counsel, has asked for that tape now. 
He has a <laughs> subpoena. And he's he's requested it. So Ted, so watch for Ted Cruz now to to get sucked up in all of this, which really breaks my heart. But going back to Tucker Carlson, <laughs> and Vanity, Vanity Fair, um, uh, um, among the th- they say that that what the deal is is that with this tro- this this lawsuit coming. This this other lawsuit coming against Fox that Tucker Carlson is a liability because there is apparently a treasure trove of of texts and uh, and emails that we know nothing about that didn't leak mm. out during during the uh, the Dominion trial the, during the mm. Dominion case that are going to come out in all likelihood uh, in this lawsuit with uh, with his former producer. And among the things that did come out that what we don't know about because it was redacted, what the, the, the text came out, but but parts of it were redacted. And one of the parts of Tucker Carlson's, one of his texts that was redacted was him referring to a, a female senior manager at Fox as the C word. And I had read somewhere that when he got called out on that in in part of that text thread, you know, you don't want this to go public. He said, oh, absolutely, I do. I want people to know that's how I feel about it or something like that. Like he defended it. Um, <laughs> he did. Oh, and I mean, the stuff that has come out about that, you know, I think she's suing him for toxic workplace and mm-hmm. a few other things because of all the, it wasn't just one or two, it was daily sexist comments about you know they had a picture of nancy pelosi in a bikini that they had doctored That's up right. um they had mm. uh, well he, they, he's asking them what he's asking uh, uh, female employees who they would sleep with and ask and telling Ugh. one that she should stick to thigh high boots and cut you know i mean it's a sexist place anyway just in terms of how they make their on-air talent dress and everything but i guess he was even too toxic for that well they're afraid that 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 if this or when this stuff comes out at trial it, it comes out in this case if the case even goes to trial my guess is if they're smart they'll settle but it's just more trouble than it's worth. And they don't want more of this stuff coming out. At least if more, when more of this stuff comes out, they can say, well, we fired him. You know, yeah, once, we, once, we, once we became aware of this, we, you know, we, we fired him. So, so, so that, I, I think that, it's fantastic that, they, uh, that, the, that they're opening, that it's opening the doors to all the lies, because that means everybody can then go after them. You know, it just gives everybody more incentive. Mm-hmm. And it's hilarious to watch that now there are right wingers who are attacking Fox News and calling Rupert Murdoch woke, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I saw a whole thread on Twitter. See, you know, Rupert Murdoch caves into the woke left and gets rid of the only person who's telling truth. Now we're going to boycott. It's like, you know, what are they going to do? Like put Fox News on their TVs and shoot it like they did with the Bud Light. I mean, it's hilarious. So now I guess he's been talking. He did get a job offer from RT, from the Russian state media. Sure did. He sure did. I mean, I'm sure he did. He's been carrying their water for months, so exactly. not surprising. All right. So also speaking of sexism, uh, Don Lemon was let go from CNN to his <laughs> shock and surprise on the same day that Tucker Carlson was fired from Fox. And the New York Times is reporting that it's because of two things. It's because of the women in their prime comment. Ugh. You know, and he thought that that had gone away and everybody thought that had gone away because they didn't take him off the air because of it. And he just addressed it in a tweet. Uh, and the other issue is there was a scathing article that came out in Variety, I believe, about a week or 10 days ago, that he's got a long history of, yeah. uh, of making comments like that and, and treating women in, in the workplace at CNN with with disrespect. So what so apparently the last straw was that there were bookers uh, who 
were saying that they were having trouble getting guests to go on the morning show on CNN because they didn't want to go on with Don Lemon. Or they came on and said, okay, they, they agreed to come on under the condition that they weren't interviewed by Don Lemon. Wow. So, and also research has showed that his popularity has waned with audiences since that comment was made. And then you have... Um, uh, the, the comment that was made at the Academy Awards about women in their prime that was a direct yeah. shot at him. So it's like they, it wasn't tenable to keep him on. There was just no, no way to, to do it. Yeah, and but also it, it, with, with, the, with the Cosby, with the Cosby piece, remember he also said that the girl like, why didn't you bite down you know. Oh, yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. That's one of the things that was in the Variety article. Yeah. yeah. In terms of being forced to perform oral sex on Cosby, why didn't you just bite him? Well, you know, it is a sign of progress, though, because it means at least as far as gay rights are concerned, we've gotten to the point where a gay man can be just as big a sexist jerk as a straight man. So that's a progress. <laughs> <laughs> he is gay, right? Yes. 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 So He's engaged, I, mean, I think. Isn't he engaged? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, he was married by now, but yeah, well, maybe he is. He so I mean, I I'm I'm sad to see a gay man be that. I mean, I know there are gay men who just think women are icky and but that but not who are such sexist jerks. But mm-hmm. you know what's weird to me? It's just always been strange to me to see people who are members of marginalized groups attack other members of marginalized groups. I, you know tell I mean? me about it. I was just thinking yeah. about that, like uh, just even in the black community, the light skin, dark skin, like drama is just ridiculous. Well, and and then you've got conservatives. They want us going after each other instead of, you know, cooperating, because if, if all the if all the marginalized groups get together, we're a majority. Um, so, you know, well, I've been told by, by uh, Latinos and Latinas that there are. Uh, that there's a whole big thing with about illegal immigration in in their community. Yeah. Latinx in the Latinx community, because you have those who have been here or have, have mm-hmm. were born here or came here legally or their grand, grandparents, you know, uh, came here to a point where they either came here legally or there was amnesty. Um, they are against the illegal uh, undocumented. I'm not saying illegal, the undocumented immigrants yeah. uh, who are coming over here now. But that's uh, and because they, they that's they call all them wetbacks and all of this other stuff. It's like, really? That's, ba- you know, back in World War II, they tried to get the Jews in this country not to allow Jewish refugees coming in from Europe because they were, you know, dirty from the European slums and the ones here had become. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's the people in power want us fighting each other rather than them. Oh, by the way, uh, on this immigration topic, uh, Devin Nunez just lost his case against Hearst. I uh, did you hear about this? You got yes. it got thrown no, out. No, I didn't. I didn't. So here's here's the deal. Esquire wrote an article uh, in 2018 about Devin Nunez's family farm. And that's where his, his wealth comes from. His family owns this big, I guess it's a dairy farm. Is that what it is? And in this article, they wrote that that this, this farm um, employs a lot of undocumented immigrants. So he so Nunez and his family sued Hearst, who owns Esquire, for defamation for this. So a Trump judge, a Trump judge ordered the uh, the Social Security Administration to verify the Social Security numbers of all disclosed employees of the farm employed on or before September 30th of 2018. I guess that's when the article ran. Uh, and so of 319 employees, okay, who were disclosed mm-hmm. employees on that date, 243 of them, the names, dates, births, and social security numbers did not match. Yep. 
243. This is Mr. Secure the Border. Mr. You know, we don't want those people here. Mr. They're ruining our country. They don't <laughs> and 243 of, of his 319 employees are undocumented. And six of the employees were subpoenaed by by Hearst to testify. And they all took they all took the fifth. Wow. <laughs> Well, that's just that, that kind of hypocrisy is that, you know, that's totally on brand with the homophobic senators who were caught sending text messages to underage boys. It's just it's yeah. their pattern. I yeah. love with Devin Nunez, though, he's the one who before he sued Hearst, he sued a fictional Twitter account. Did you remember yeah, that? Devin Nunez's cow? cow. Yeah. <laughs> before he brought it up, the cow account had like 20 followers and it went to like, I don't know, millions pretty quickly because of Nunez. So I just I love that. Uh, so a couple of lighter things before we get out of here. Um, there was a, a LinkedIn analysis done of names of those who make the most money. And so they think the top names for, for, for men and top names for women who are the highest earners. And they don't say exactly what their methodology was, but this was their analysis. So the top three names for male or high earners were James, Mateo, and Oliver. I don't even know anybody named Mateo. I do. I have, a cousin, I, have a, I have a cousin named Mateo. Is All he right, rich? He, no. Does he make a lot of money? He's a, a chiropractor, so, you know, he yeah, makes sorry. So he's, he's professional, a but he's not a bazillionaire. He's a high earner. Okay, girls, it's Evelyn, Emma, and Amelia. I'm sorry. Yeah, Evelyn, Evelyn, Emma, and Amelia. That's a strange name starting with E. Yeah. <laughs> or A. Oh, Amelia. I suppose to end. Amelia. Amelia. Another thing. Okay, so th this is something I, I want your take on this, and we'll, and we'll end with this. Um, <laughs> you know what the twenty-somethings are calling the nineteen eighties and the nineteen nineties? Mm. The late nineteen hundreds. The late nineteen hundreds. And well, that's kind of accurate. Okay, so that's what my question is. Is because my first <laughs> my first reaction was screw you yeah. when I heard that. <laughs> screw you. Nineteen eighties with the nineteen nineties. Yeah, yeah, that was must have been back when the, in the late nineteen hundreds. We're in the twenty first century now. Uh, so is is it accurate or is it insulting or both? Both, but I mean, I would call the late, you know, the 1880s and 1890s, we call the late 19th century or the late 1800s. Yeah, so. 80 years later. <laughs> well, 80, it's, it's, 80 years later, we did, sure. By the 1960s, we were talking, you know, talking about the late 19th century. Yeah, but things move faster these days, you know. Yeah, they sure do. And they have no respect for their elders, so. None. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Oh, every time I say something to my kids about the way things were, they're like, was that before? Did you have electricity when you were growing up, Mom? I'm going to choke the next person who says, OK, boomer in my presence. Oh. I'll, tell you that. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. I don't think you're a boomer, Brian, because you're I, not. I'm barely. I'm, I'm, I'm barely a boomer. I'm, I'm a I'm, boomer. I'm a full on boomer. Yeah, they don't yeah, get to say that to I'm, me. I'm, I'm on the cusp where all, all of my references are, are more Gen X. But but yeah. in, in terms of, of how the, the classifications are, I'd be classified as like the last year of the baby. Well, boomer. it depends. Mm. I've heard it 1946 to 1960 or 1946 to 64. But... It's, it's 46 to 64 is what's, okay. is what's it's considered. Uh, mm. So where are you playing? Lauren Mayer, where can people come see you? 
right now just on my youtube channel i just finished my run at uh, my run my one time at the marsh um that's so how to go you're trying out to new show how to go yeah it went great the audience was really receptive i have a one woman show called don't mind me i'll just sit here on the dark which is the name of my new album uh about the jewish mother stereotype being rooted in misogyny and anti-semitism haha ha, how's that for comedy um but, <laughs> i'm slapping um, my thigh <laughs> <laughs> but I, I tried to be funny. Um, and then I am um, on YouTube is the main place to find my weekly topical comedy songs. Uh, it's uh, YouTube Psycho Supermom is the channel, channel. And I'm doing something about Tucker Carlson's firing that will come out Friday morning. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. If people don't subscribe to your songs. They need to. They, Thank they need you. To hear your songs every week. Uh, and Maya, where can folks come and see you? Uh, this weekend, I'll be at the Los Angeles Laugh Factory Friday and Saturday. And then I'll be at Alameda Comedy Club May 6th and 7th. Oh, cool. Ooh. I'll come by and meet you in person. We've never met. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I actually, I want it because we're moving to Oakland now in yeah. Oakland or San Leandro um, in um, August or September. So I want to start checking out venues on the East Bay. So I will try to get over there. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. Thank right. you. Maya DiGiorgio, Lauren Mayer, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for Take having care. me. Thank and you for having me. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, if you like this podcast and you want to support us, there are a couple of ways you can do it. One is by telling everybody, you know, any way that you possibly can. Another way is by sending folks a link and go, hey, listen, check this out. Um, if you could leave us a five star review on whatever platform you were listening to uh, to this podcast on, that helps us uh, because it helps people to find the show. So uh, I will check you out next week. I want to mention, by the way, I, I, I've been negligent doing this the last, actually the last few months. And that is that uh, Charlene Goto is uh, our, our producer and engineer on this show. And Jaron Williams is our booker and producer on this show as well. So I, I, there's no way in the world that I could do this without them or without you. So I hope you'll join us next week. Till then, be kind to your neighbor. He knows where you live.